Well, today, we're excited to bring to an end, to close this series of messages we've been dealing with in the month of February. If this is your first time with us today, welcome. We're glad you're here. You're coming in on the end of the series, which isn't all bad, because really, I believe today is the most important message in the series. Now, I know you're thinking, yeah, you say that every week. But no, really, this is extremely important. We've been talking about catastrophic relationships. The key being not so much to put any kind of conviction or thought about past relationships that have ended in some kind of a catastrophic manner, but more so, how do we enter into relationships that become healthy and don't end in catastrophe? How is it that we can bring our relationships, particularly our romantic relationships we talked about since February, but really any relationship, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's at school, um, whether it's in the office or, you know, family, whatever those relationships may be, today is important. We've talked about the fact that romantic relationships are complicated. Remember, we started there the first week. They're complicated, and they really are. And and it would be wonderful if we could just all live happily ever after, like the the fairy tales say. But in reality, that doesn't happen. And in week two, we saw the importance of connecting the inward and the outward when it comes to beauty. Remember how, how we can be fooled if we only look at beauty and attractiveness from the outside and don't look at the heart, because it is the heart that is important. And the beauty of the heart radiates outwardly. We, we talked about that clearly. And then last week, very importantly, we talked about the key that holds healthy relationships. That every key, uh, the key, I would say, if there is one to a healthy relationship is what? Commitment. <clears throat> we talked about the importance of commitment and how we have to be willing to take a commitment and make a commitment, even if it is risky. And chances are any commitment is going to be somewhat risky. Well, today is what I've been waiting to come to, because today I think we have opportunity to really get down to where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. We get down to the point that it becomes very, I think, relevant and important as we talk about some things in our lives that can help us to prevent catastrophic relationships. Now, Beth and I, I've shared with you several times, um, have been married a long time. We've been married... For 43 years, and then you add on that the times that we spent dating, and I I really feel old. But anyway, we've been together a long time. But here's the thing. I've learned a lot about about relationships in those 43 plus years. Now, it's not like some people think. I had a lady one time, we were, we were talking about some particular instance and, and sharing with some particular instance and we were at a church function and she came up to me afterwards and she said, well, preacher, you don't have to worry about this, she said, because your life and your relationship with your wife is perfect. To which I responded, yeah, you're right, it's perfect. Everything is just rosy. No, I didn't. Why? Because it's not. Um, My life is no different than yours, and the pressures and struggles that you go through is no different than the pressures and struggles I go through. In fact, it's amazing to me as I talk to people through the years how common our struggles and problems really are. Now, here's something I found, or at least in my experience in the last years and through these years of relationships. I've found it's not necessarily the big things that bring us down. As a matter of fact, frankly, the big things can serve to strengthen our relationship. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, boy, we've just been through the gamut of these big issues <clears throat> we faced in our life. I could name them for you, such as going without a paycheck. I, I know what it is to be without a job 
and without a paycheck. I get that. There's a lot that puts a stress on a relationship. Can I get an amen? I mean, really and truly, it's true. And I, we've we've went through that. that that's a big thing. <clears throat> we've gone through cancer, the whole cancer thing, and facing cancer, particularly with someone we love and someone we're close to. We've been through that on multiple occasions, and we've been through that gut-wrenching time of grief and mourning that, that can become a problem, those big things. We, we've been through those moments where we can't agree. You know, we just can't agree on what we're going to do or how we're going to do or where we're going to be or where we're going to go. We've been through those. But the interesting thing is <clears throat> the big events really served to make our relationship stronger. Because in the end, we had to look each other in the eye and say, we're going to have to trust God on this one. We're going to have to really pray and see, God, what do you want us to do? Or how do you want us to respond? And in the end, those big things really became a blessing to us and strengthened our relationship. Can I just say this and be honest? It's the little things. Right? It's the little things that drive us crazy. And here's the big idea today. Here's what I want you to see today. And I want you to understand that if little things, put that up there for me, if you will. Little things left alone become big things. Even catastrophic. It's the little things that seem to add up. Now, I think the reason is because sometimes we tend to ignore the little things we, we might bicker or fuss over little things, but then we kind of like, ah, it's not that big a deal. You know, I, I really want them to squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom, but I guess we can live with it. Little things, right? You know, whether the toilet paper goes over or under. I mean, who cares? But it can be big, right? I mean, whether or not you pick up your shoes when you come in. I just have a tendency to drop my shoes right at the door. I think I'm kind of helping because I'm not bringing in dirt. She actually wants me to put them in a closet. <laughs> little things, right? It's the little things. But little things left alone can become big. Now, once again, we're not left to fill this on our own. Solomon gives us a wonderful, wonderful lesson in his little love song that we've been studying. And, and this lesson is so critical that I don't want you to miss it. I've been praying all week, Lord, help us to not miss this point. If there's one point in this whole series that I could drive home, maybe more than anything else, and I know that probably, according to that, that could be limited by where you are in a relationship, but if there's one thing I could just drill down on, it's going to be this one thing. How do we deal with the little things before they become big things and cause our relationship to end Amen. in catastrophe? Now, we've been looking at the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon, maybe you've heard it called. It's amazing, isn't it? Some of you have been surprised how much you've seen the Song of Solomon since we've been in this series. Maybe you've never seen it before, but now suddenly it's in front of you and you say, oh wow, this is everywhere. It's on little, you know, we, we put little things on the wall with verses from Song of Solomon and, and in cards and, and in movies and everywhere else. Well, we've been looking at this love song. Song of Songs is an incredible, incredible love song. Now, Solomon wrote over a thousand songs, we're told, in the scripture. So I believe that. Over a thousand songs. But when he named this one, when he gave this one a title, he called it Shir Hasharim in Hebrew, Song of the Songs. In other words, he said, of all the songs I've written, this 
is first. This is my favorite. I don't know why it was his favorite, but it's quickly becoming mine. Although I have to say, we've been kind of walking through this thing blushing a little bit because it's so, so straightforward, right? I mean, Solomon doesn't choose his words. I don't know if he ever thought that this love song would be read in church. But certainly some of his language is not church language, right? But that's okay for us because we're all misfits anyway, right? And, and so it's a good book for us to look at. Now, it's, it's written around this theme. There's Solomon who says part of it, sings part of the song. There's this bride, his bride, or bride-to-be in some places. Some places in the books are a little confusing because it places she's not yet his bride and in places she's already married to him. So you, you have to understand that. But she sings part of the song. And then there's the backup singers, the young women who sing. So you have, we said, we've been liking it to this, right? We got Tim McGraw over here singing to Faith Hill and then Faith Hill sings back to him and the backup singers kick in. That's the idea of this song. So we're going to read a part of it this morning. That is really, really powerful. Now, further, on the surface, you're going to think, hmm, I don't know where he's going with this, but give me just a minute to unpack it, the truth. Song of Songs, chapter 2. We're going to read just two verses this morning. That's a little bit away from where we've gone. And by the way, we've only gone through two chapters of this in four weeks, right? I don't know how we're going to cover Colossians next week. In six weeks, we're going to cover the whole book. But we're going to look at this two verses of this song that are incredible. Chapter 2, if you want to turn in your Bible, if you have a copy there, or maybe it's your on your phone or your, your tablet or whatever, or it'll be on the screen in the version that I'm reading from. So let's read it. Verse number 14. Here's what's happening. Solomon is speaking. He's singing, right? So we got Tim singing right now, and here's what he says. My dove. <laughs> Try that one, guys, on your, you know, your spouse. You my dove. If I call Beth my dove, she's going to ask me, what'd you do? Right? But my dove. In the cleft of the rock, in the crevices of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Now, why is this so important? Now, if you were here last week, you know we read the previous verses. Here's why it's important. Remember last week, if you were here, we read it where he's saying, come away with me, my love. Come away with me, my love. I, I, you, I love you. You're wonderful. I, I must spend time with you. Come away with me. So now he's saying, uh, where are you? <laughs> I want to hear your voice. I want to see your face. Where are you? Are you coming? So it's very important. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet. And your face is lovely. And then verse 16 is unclear whether this is the woman or the man. Some believe this is the woman who's speaking now. Some believe it was Solomon who continues. It really doesn't matter. But verse 15 is the one we want to zero in on. Watch what he says. She says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, for our vineyards are in bloom. <sighs> what is the big deal? Uh, let's look at it this way. <clears throat> this vineyard he's talking about that is in bloom is their relationship. Their relationship is blooming. It's blossoming. It's becoming deeper, deeper, deeper by the day. And this blooming, blossoming vineyard is out there. And everything is wonderful. Ooh, yes. And then one of them speaks up and says, but we need to catch the foxes, the little foxes, because they'll ruin the vineyard. Now, what do you know about foxes? 
<clears throat> you don't see a lot of them around, do you? I mean, you got to be at the right place at the right time. They hide very, very well. The other day we were coming home, and the other evening we were coming home. It was dark, and we pulled into our drive, and, and there, were fox, there was a fox, a beautiful red fox. And we get all excited because why? We don't see them a lot. They're crafty, right? They're, they're, pretty, they're, they're hard. I've never fox hunted. Any of you guys fox hunters? Yeah, some, okay. I, I used to have, the first church I was in had these serious, I mean serious fox hunters, and they would tell me what a challenge it is to uh, hunt these fox because, yes. foxes because they're, they're cunning. They're sly. But, and yeah, they're so cute, aren't they? All the ladies are like, aw. They're so cute and you have them on the cartoons. And I almost threw a cartoon picture up there to just show you how cute they are. But then you turn the page and there's another one. He's licking his lips, right? He's turning his mustache. Because they're not only cunning, not only sly, they're quick. They're smart. They will even play dead. This is what I read. Now, I don't know this, so if I'm wrong on this, somebody tell me. But this is what I read. I read that, and I read it on the internet, and we know we, we believe everything that we read on the internet. I read that they will even play dead as their prey will approach until they get close enough that they can catch them. Oh, they're so cute, and they're so little. Who's afraid of a fox, right? Now, somebody told me the other day they called on their night camera a panther in their backfield. Okay, now panther's a whole different story. I don't want to see a panther, amen? But a fox is so cute, it's so little, it's so harmless. Unless you got a vineyard nearby. Unless you got grapes hanging around. Now, why did she say, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyard? I think it's because <clears throat> Solomon is warning us that it's not so much the big things that ruin our relationship. It's almost like we're prepared for that. It's almost like we can deal with that. It's painful, it's hard, but I, I'm ready for that. But it's these little foxes, these cute little things that we just kind of pass off as being, isn't it cute? Ah, no big deal. Eh, it's not going to hurt anything. I know it's out there, but no big deal. And then before you know it, the foxes have come in to the vineyard and robbed the vineyard of all its fruit. And how many foxes have come into our relationships, yours and mine, and robbed us of fruit? Just robbed us of fruit. Now, sometimes they'll actually break up a relationship because little things left unattended become big things. But even if it's not, a, you're saying right now, well, I don't, I don't think there's any, any side of my relationship ending in a catastrophe. But you know what? They even rob fruit. They can just rob us of the joy. Have you noticed this? I've noticed this in relationships today. And I'm going to talk basically about marriage because, you know, I, I don't want to just assume that everybody believes that romantic relationships end in marriage because I, I realize we live in a different culture today. But I do believe that that's where it ought to end. That's where it <clears throat> ought to be. So I'm going to take that assumption for a moment. And I'm going to say this. Sometimes I'm afraid that we have so lowered the bar for what is a successful relationship that we don't even know what's available to us out there. Does that make sense? I talk to people all the time. And when I find out what their bar is of a successful relationship, a successful marriage, I'm like, all you're doing is surviving. 
I want to thrive, right? I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I, I don't want my marriage, my relationship with Beth to be just us so some. Well, we're going to hang in there till we die. I want every day to be exciting and fulfilling and thrilling. <laughs> and I know you're like, what world are you living in? Well, hey, why not set the bar a little higher? You might be surprised what you'll reach. So these foxes, these little foxes that can come in, <clears throat> can rob our vineyard. Now I want to take you to the New Testament in a minute. Because here's what I want to do. I want to go to the New Testament to help you see how this, a couple of things really that I want to accomplish this morning before we're done. First, I want to talk about how we can identify foxes. You've got to identify them before you can deal with them. Secondly, I want to talk about how we can keep our vineyard protected, right? How we can keep our vineyard, keep the foxes from coming in to the vineyard. That's really the object of what I want to do today, all right? Talk about those two things. So go with me to Ephesians, I mean Galatians, I'm sorry. Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read to you a very familiar passage to some, maybe not to you, but to many, and um, there's an incredible little thought in here that I want to share with you. Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> okay, and verse number 16, Galatians chapter 5, Verse number 16. I usually have it marked, but for some reason I didn't. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> he says, I say then. Now, Paul is writing to the churches of Galatia, okay? Uh, he's writing to a, a group of churches, and he's trying to give them apostolic advice. In other words, they're looking to him as a spiritual leader. And so he's giving them some spiritual advice. And here's what he says. I say then, <clears throat> walk by the Spirit... And you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Now, he just, he, he, he just differentiates between two things here that are important for us. The spirit, the, the life of the spirit, and the desire, or some versions use lust of the flesh. He says you can walk one of two ways. Either you can follow the direction of the spirit of God, or you can follow after the desires of your flesh. Now, which do you think is the easier to do? <laughs> Which do you think is the most desirable of us in our own capacity? It is that fleshly part. It's much easier. But then he goes on and he says in verse 17, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not know what you want. Now, this is important. Watch this next verse. But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the words, watch this. Now the works of the flesh are what? Obvious. I think he's talking here about the big things. He's saying these things are obvious. Now, if we put this in the context of relationships, can we do that for a moment? If we put this in the context of relationships, he's saying there are some things that are obvious you can see them and now he begins to list them and and you can begin to see these things destroy relationship look at that next verse verse number 20 he says sexual immorality moral impurity promiscuity those things are easy to recognize aren't they <clears throat> i mean there's not a one of us who says yeah i'm going to put up with that in a relationship yeah sexual immorality that's no big deal Moral impurity, promiscuity, eh, no big deal. None of us are going to say that. 
None of us are just going to say, oh, we'll slide on that one. Hello, I don't think so. It's going to be like, no, you're out of here. Or no, I'm out of here. There's no room for that, right? Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambitions, only care about me, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, anything. In other words, he says these are so obvious. And in the context of a relationship, I'm suggesting those are the things that are very obvious for us. They're not hard to spot. And when we spot them, the relationship is not going to end well. Now look at the next verse and watch the contrast that begins to go. He says, I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, he says, watch this, but the fruit of the Spirit... He says, now all of these things are works of the flesh. When we follow the desires of our flesh, this is where that ends up. It's obvious. And, and when we follow our own flesh, if we only care about our own lustful desires, if we, if we don't think our way through this thing, and we just respond for gratification, it is not going to end well, he says. But if we can walk in the Spirit, the fruit, isn't it interesting that he uses fruit? <laughs> That's good for our little picture here. But the fruit, and by, by the way, I don't want to get, too, I, I could just get dwell, I could get bogged down here. He didn't say fruits, plural. He said fruit, singular, is. All of these come together, all of these together, this is the fruit. Oh, yes. The spirit filled life. Paul, oh, so look what he says. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Hey, anybody want that in your relationship? It's a no-brainer. So some things are obvious. They're big. They're the things that we're going to cut out on. But watch this. I think the little foxes, the little things, are subtle attacks against the fruit that the Spirit intends for our marriage and our relationship and our lives. Let me show you what I mean. I've listed a few um, foxes. Now, I can't help you identify all the foxes that are coming against your home. I understand that. But can I, I'm just going to suggest a few so that this is not so ambiguous that you're like, what in the world is he talking about? Let me just nail down on a couple that I've experienced, okay, and that I know about for sure, some of these foxes. Um, the first of those foxes, I think, is busyness. Look at verse 22 again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. What relationship, particularly romantic relationship, but any relationship, is not built upon love? It has to start with love. Amen. Right? The fruit of the Spirit is love. That is the fruit of our marriage. That's the fruit that God wants our marriage to produce, love. How many know this? This is not talking about a tingly feeling that makes us say, oh, we got some chemistry going on Amen. there. Not what it's talking about here. He's not talking about some warm, tingly feeling that we get because she's just so beautiful or he's just so whatever. No, 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 no. He's talking about a deep, unselfish, Christ-like love that is unconditional and that goes far beyond any kind of selfishness. How many know that kind of love takes time to develop? Amen. Right? Now, I'm going to make a statement that the old people in the room are going to understand. The young ones are going to be like, no, Brother Eddie, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, Pastor Eddie. It can't be true. But I'm going to make this statement, and some of you out there with white hair are going to know this is true. 
Beth and I have been married for 43 years. I'm more in love to her with her today than I've ever been in my life. You're like, I can't be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just telling you. I'm more deeply in love with her today than ever before. How can that be? Love takes time to develop in its entirety. You, you're, you're not going to love somebody, you know, three weeks after you've met them like you're going to 30 years later. Love takes time. But the problem is today, we don't have time. We're so busy. We don't have time for any. Can I just tell you, this is what I'm talking about, about little foxes. The little things that you don't even recognize, you don't even realize. In fact, you're like, eh, it's just a cute little thing. No, 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 no. Busyness is a fox that will rob you of fruit. Ooh, yes. We get so busy. We're so busy, we don't even, we meet ourselves going. Coming and going. I talk to people all the time, husbands and wives, who crisscross their paths in the middle of the night or in the middle of the morning. And it's like, we don't ever see each other. We don't ever spend time together. Or, oh, yeah, we get one day a week. Or, whoa, 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 whoa. We are so busy. And how many of us know that it's with good things? Here's how sly our enemy, here's how sly the fox is. You're not busy with bad things. You're busy with good things. And that makes you feel better about being busy. I looked at my calendar this week. I typically do that on the weekend. I looked at my calendar this week. And beyond my workload, which is considerably heavy, beyond that, I have a grandson playing ball in Keystone on Monday night, a granddaughter playing on Tuesday night, a grandson playing on Wednesday night, a granddaughter playing on Thursday night, another grandson playing on Friday night, and three playing Saturday. I love ball. I love my family. I want to be there for them. So where does my wife fit into that whole thing? Well, she tags along with me. Isn't that good enough? Oh, I'm not downing ball. I love it. As much as anybody. But I'm saying I got to work this week to find some time to build a relationship. It takes time. Busyness. is one of the foxes. Well, I'm trying to earn a living, Pastor Eddie. I know you are. The people before you have found a way to earn a living and still find time for a relationship. Now, some of you out there are saying, oh, I wish I'd have heard this a long time ago. But now, hold on. You can attest to the truth of what I'm saying, can't you? You see, the thing is, we said this last week. The, the rules of engagement for this particular series is, A, not to punch the person beside you, and B, look in the past perspective, not, I mean, the future perspective, not in the past. Because you see, don't misunderstand this busyness thing, this busyness fox. You know how much, you know why I recognize this fox so easily? Because he's invaded my vineyard many, many, many times. Hallelujah. I'm thinking, I got to get rid of, I got to kill this fox. Right. Or it's going to end catastrophically. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he goes on to mention some more that are in there. And I'm going to call them this. I, I'm going to call the, I'm, I'm going to read them in a minute. But I'm going to call this fox the fox of dullness. Dullness, okay? Look what he says. The fruit of the Spirit is love. <clears throat> no, no, go back. I'm sorry. I wasn't finished with that. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Can you take that back or no? Take that back to the previous one. There it is. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Yes, okay. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Wait a minute. Our relationship started with those things, <clears throat> but if you're not careful, you become dull to the fact that, wait a minute, those have kind of disappeared. 
where, where have they gone to? Now, you know what, Pastor Andy? I hadn't even thought about it till you mentioned it, but come to think of it, <clears throat> there's not a lot of joy going on in the house right now, and there's not a lot of peace. Kindness? No. Goodness? No. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes we can get dull to the things that are being snatched away from us without us even knowing it. It's almost like we're grinning at the fox and saying, oh, it's cute, everything's fine, everything's great, I'm glad he's talking to somebody else today and leaving me alone. When in truth, maybe we've just become dull to the routine of relationship. How do we do that? It just happens over time, doesn't it? You just kind of get dull... The joy's not the same, you know? I mean, you got days when you're happy and, you know, you got birthdays. Oh, he really loves me. He sent me flowers. Valentine's Day, we just passed that. Everybody, I've never seen so much on social media, pictures of flowers and candy, amen? Flowers and candy, flowers and candy. And I'm, looking, I'm over there to Beth and I'm saying, please don't look at social media today because I have no flowers nor candy. Now, she doesn't want flowers or candy, but if she looks at all that, she's going to start scratching her chin. Well, maybe I do need some of that. Ah, we just, oh, I feel good right now, but guess what? Two weeks later, there's no flowers, there's no candy, there's no more cards, there's no more, honey, you're the most beautiful, my dove. Oh, no, that's gone. I'll be back next year. We get dull to the lack of joy, the lack of peace. You know, there was a time in your relationship when everything was peaceful, Right? Where did that go? I'm telling you, a little fox came in and stole it. And that little fox that you're dealing with now is not only the fox of busyness, it's the fox of dullness. Who's made your senses dull to what's not there. And these little things left unchecked become big things. Because one day you're going to wake up and the fruit is going to be completely robbed, and you're going to be like, I'm done. And it ends catastrophically. And I'm out of time. I could say so much more. But let me give you one more fox that I think is, is important to talk about, and that's the fox of reluctance. The fox of reluctance, that's when we're reluctant to do anything, when we finally start to see. And some of you today, if you're here in the building or if you're listening to the podcast later on, some are going to have a light go on, and you're going to say, you know, <laughs> I think he may be on to something. You're going to hate to admit it. Last thing you want to do is admit I'm right. But you're going to think, hmm, maybe, maybe. And then another fox is going to come trotting into your vineyard, and he's going to say, but don't do anything about it. She'll think you're crazy. He'll think you're nagging. It'll all pass. Everything's fine. Don't worry. And you're going to totally ignore the little things, the little foxes that are coming in to rob your vineyard. Because reluctance is one of those foxes. We don't want to deal with it. <clears throat> we don't want it to happen. We don't think it will happen to us. I'm beyond that. You don't understand, Pastor Eddie. We're beyond that.
I'm, I, I didn't know if I wanted to say this or not this morning, but I'm going to say it. Will you give me an extra five minutes? If you'll give me an extra five minutes, uh, I want to say this. <clears throat> For all of us in here who think that, you know what, I'm glad he's talking to somebody, but not me. I don't care if you're in a relationship in your dating years in high school, middle school. I don't know what it is. I don't care. I don't know if you're a newlywed or if you've been married forever. I don't know if you're just together or you've been together for some time. <clears throat> but I'm telling you, nobody, none of us in the room are beyond this, what I'm talking about. Why, why is this so important? And why are you, Pastor Eddie, drilling so much time on it? And why is it so... I got a call Friday night from one of my good friends. He doesn't, go, he doesn't live in this town. He's not a part of our church. You wouldn't know him if I called his name, but I'm not going to. He called me up and he said, Pastor Eddie, he said, um, I need to ask you for some wisdom. I said, what's up, bud? He's an elder at his church. He said, we just discovered that our pastor has had a moral failure. That's church talk for adultery. He had an affair. I began to talk to my friend and I said, uh, wow, what, so what's going on? I know the pastor. The pastor is a good friend of mine. So it broke my heart. If that were not enough to break my heart, knowing that a relationship that he had been in for some 15 years, his whole life is about to be turned upside down. His whole life. So then I get a call from another friend this morning at 540. He said, I'm so sorry to bother you. He's on staff in this church. He said, I'm so sorry to bother you. I know Sundays is not a good day to ask for a pastor for help. He said, but I need you to call me. I need to talk and I need to have you pray for me. Because I don't know how to do what I'm about to do. Which was to stand up and tell his church about it. So frankly, folks, I'm heartbroken this morning. I'm heartbroken. Not only for this family that's turned upside down, but this church that's now turned upside down. This, this, watch this. You know what concerns me? It goes so much deeper. It affects the entire kingdom. And I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because there are none of us who are exempt from what I'm talking about. Nobody, including the guy who is weekly standing up before you, weekly, W-E-A-K, weekly standing before you this morning. This is important. So here's the thing. You've got to either decide you're going to try to outwit the foxes, outfox the fox, which is pretty hard to do. It can be done. It's pretty hard. Or you can put up some fences. Right? Now, I can, if, the, if, the, if the fox is robbing my vineyard, I can try to stay up and outfox him and catch him. Or I can put up a fence. And there's some fences that we need to put up. I was hoping to have more time to talk about it today. I don't have the time, so I'm going to just mention it quickly. There are some physical fences that you need to put up in your life, some physical boundaries. 
There are some places you need to not be going. There's some, some, some things you don't need to be seeing. There's some things you don't need to be saying. There's some things you don't need to be hearing. There are some physical boundaries that you need to put around your life, around your relationship, that will ensure that the fox can't get in there. There are some emotional boundaries that you need. It's not all physical. You know what is amazing to me? It's amazing to me how many relationships crash over emotional things rather than physical things. Enough said about that. There are some relational boundaries you need to put up. I hate to put it this way. I don't know how to say it. There are some friendships you need to get rid of. And there are some friendships you need to change. There are some relationships that you need to consider. I want to just tell you something. And I've, I've said this for so many years and people have laughed when I said it. And they go, ah, you're, you're so old-fashioned. I'm just telling you, men and women are hard to be friends without it going more. All right, laugh at me, throw tomatoes at me, whatever you want to say. I'm just telling you, you better have some relationship boundaries. Physically, emotionally, relationally. And you need to put those fences around you. I wish I could speak to the Youth Wednesday. It's not going to be my time, so we won't do it. But I wish I could speak to our Youth Wednesday. They're going through this series too. Man, I've got some ideas for boundaries for them. But can I say... But right now, the boundaries I'm most concerned about are the boundaries in my own life. And just so you know, this weak guy up here knows he's weak. And so I put fences physically, emotionally, and relationally around my life. If that's not okay with you, I'm sorry. But I want another 43 years. <laughs> well, maybe not 43. <laughs> I want a few more, all right? Y'all good with that? So, here's what we're going to take away from all of this, and then I'm, I've got to quit. I'm already past time. But here's the last thing. Show me that takeaway up there, um, if you will, please. All of our series, I think here's the bottom line. Healthy relationships don't just happen. If you're in a relationship and you think it's healthy, you want it to be healthy, you've got to know it's not just going to happen. It's going to take work. If you're, it doesn't matter what that relationship, if it's a friendship, it's going to take work. Because at some point in time, that friend is going to betray you. That friend is going to say something, do something. It's going to offend you. Friendships take work. Would you agree with that? They take work. If you're a middle school girl, it's going to take work. <laughs> if you're a high school guy, you just kind of slug it out and it's okay. But at some point, friendships take work. Marriage takes work. If you think you're done, you're never done and if I were to forget that this morning, I'm reminded by my two phone calls this weekend and multiple texts. I'm not done. Can't quit. Healthy relationships don't just happen. It takes work and determination. But I'm telling you, while these relationships are complicated, they don't have to be. And there is hope. And the hope that we have is in Jesus Christ and the change that He can bring to life. He can change you. He can change your friend. He can change your spouse. He can change others. He can change us. So for six weeks starting that... Six weeks starting... <laughs> I never said I was good at math. Six weeks starting next week, we're going to be walking through Colossians and we're going to be talking about our subtitle is... 
you can change. And Colossians is going to show us how. Pray with me, would you? Every head bowed, every eye closed. So, Father in heaven, I'm so grateful that you've given us the time together today. Thankful that you have allowed us to look at this series for the past month and consider relationships. And I believe, Lord, you have mended some relationships and you have challenged some relationships. And at times you've comforted us and at times you've broken us. At times it's been good to hear and at times it's been hard to hear. At times we felt like we've really been successful and at times we feel like complete failures. But that just reminds us, oh God, that you're not finished with us yet. That you are really still working on us. And I thank you, oh God, that we can hope for the very best because of the new life we have in Christ. And I'm excited about exploring that beginning next week with these folks. But for today... I pray for relationships represented in this room. Relationships that may be on the edges. Relationships that are teetering on catastrophe. Maybe relationships that are just dull. Not really in danger of splitting tomorrow, but they're just dull. God, would you help us to see the little foxes? And God, if I could pray as the Shulamite prayed, Lord, catch me the little foxes before they destroy our vineyard. And if I could pray that for these friends of mine here today, I would pray, Lord, catch us the foxes.